Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the SkyTap DevHops podcast. This is the, uh, the show where ideas about enterprise software development flow freely. I am your moderator and host, Noel Wurst, the editor-in-chief of the SkyTap blog, our in-house journalist, and the person behind most of our social media presence online. Uh, before we get started, I should point out that all of the ideas expressed on this show are those of myself and our guests, and not necessarily that of SkyTap as a whole. So today we are excited to have Mike Cavis, a VP and Principal Architect for Cloud Technology Partners, as well as an analyst and blogger at Forbes and DevOps.com. Mike's the author of Architecting the Cloud, Design Decisions for Cloud Computing Service Models, and Mike has also served in a number of technical roles, as, such as CTO, Chief Architect, and VP positions, with over 25 years of experience in software development and architecture, and is a pioneer in cloud computing, as well as the former CTO of the startup M.Network, which won the 2010 Amazon AWS Global Startup Challenge. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Man, that's a lot of stuff. It, it was. Just, it just means I've been around for too long. <laughs> And uh, also joining us this week again is our own galactic head of product marketing, Jason English. Jason is a software industry veteran, blogger, commentator, and the co-author of Service Virtualization, Reality is Overrated. He was formerly the VP of Marketing and employee number three at ITKO, and he ran the DevOps agenda when that firm was acquired by CA. Uh, Jason has also, or also has additional stints in supply chain software, interactive agencies, and game design, and is up for any new paradigm, beer, or music that he can experiment with. Jason, how are you? I'm excellent, Great. Noel. Speaking of experimenting with beer, we are doing that today, and we'll try to do so on most of these episodes when we're recording them at a reasonable beer drinking hour. Uh, Jason was smart enough to name this podcast the Dev Hops Podcast. Uh, which we believed would give us the freedom to enjoy a tasty beverage while we, rec- while we record these. I have a bottle of Old Rasputin Imperial Stout that comes from North Coast Brewing Company. I know it's been around for a while and is quite well known, but this is the first time I'll be having it, so I'm excited about that. Mike and Jason, what is in your glass? Well, I'll let Jason go first because he's the extraordinary here. Sure. Actually, it's a Old Chub Nitro from Oscar Blues Brewery in Colorado. And the nitro adds an extra amount of bubbliness you can't duplicate. So, so I, I have an Irish red from a good friend of mine, Greg Rapp, who was actually the architect of that of that solution that won the Amazon challenge. And uh, oh, cool! I think he got so sick of ones and zeros, he started making beers, and now he has a brewery down here in South Florida with uh, about twenty one beers on tap. He's an old German guy, makes some incredible beer. So I, I'm an Irish red guy. That's awesome. I was I was just going to ask if he missed his old work compared to what he's doing now, knowing he probably does not. No, he doesn't miss it, and uh, he takes a lot of his work home with him now. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, everyone listening, uh, stick around toward the end of the show as we make our way uh, through these bottles and glasses. We will uh, be able to, at the end, kind of give a, a review of what each of us are drinking today. And if there's ever a beer that you'd love to hear our opinion of, send us some. Uh, or just drop us a line on Twitter and recommend something that we might enjoy. So I think that those who are listening would probably like for us to get started, so let's do just that. Mike, if, with you being the guest, I was going to ask if you would kind of give us your quick uh, definition of DevOps, and then Jason, if you'll kind of let Mike know 
whether that interpretation falls in line with how you see it or let them know how different yours is. Yeah, so DevOps is about as well-defined as big data and Internet of Things and cloud computing. It means a lot of things to a lot of people. I like to put it in the context of it. it's, it's a movement or a way of delivering software that focuses on collaboration and the results of quality, reliability, and speed to market. So traditionally, we've done Agile. It was all about speed to market, but it was usually at the expense of things like architecture and operations and security. It's like build code and get it out the door. And DevOps tries to fix all that and, and basically deliver you know what the customer wants, a high quality, high reliability. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely, for me, that's uh, definitely very close to how I would look at it. I mean, I always look at it as a, it's a, basically a journey toward industrialization of the software development and delivery process. So I, I look at it from the old supply chain terms of, you know, how can we, you know, continually improve the process and have these checks and balances and have people collaborating to, you know, push better quality out, out the door with more efficiency all the time so it's everybody has their own uh definition but you know i think they're pretty close yeah, yeah so so right now i'm seeing on twitter you know biz devops security devops this devops and i kind of throw up in my mouth when i hear those things <laughs> because it's about all of that right yeah. there's it's uh, someone thought that hey we did something with security so now we've created this new thing called sector devops i'm like oh okay whatever yeah do you think that some of that confusing nature makes it almost kind of leave a bad taste in people's mouths. Like, like you were just saying, Mike, you've all of a sudden hear you're hearing these other versions of it already springing up. Uh, one thing that Jason brought up was a lot of times it's, it's the vendors that have been responsible for trying to, uh, promote these concepts as something that can just be solved with a tool or in some, you know, right out of the box solution. Yeah, that's part of it. Another part of it is, you know, I deal mostly with large enterprises and their world's a lot different than a lot of the web companies who've really mastered this stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're already negative. They're like, you know, that's great, but this isn't, you know, Netflix or this isn't that company or this company. Because they're, you know, they're mired in mainframes and old SAP systems and, you know, 26 versions of this and that. So a lot of them are like, you know, there's no silver bullet. There. So they're, they're just negative in general because their world is a tough place. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that creates the skepticism. I mean... Vendors basically trying to take ownership of something are saying they have a tool, and that's uh, you know software companies as well as service providers, you know, saying that they have the ultimate process for uh, delivering DevOps, and and it's not gonna, it's just not gonna happen that easily, and and so that's why, especially bigger companies that have legacy apps, they just um, have a jaundiced eye for for a new term, and and uh, you can't blame them. Mm-hmm. Do you, th- do you think that uh, an- another issue is, is like you were just saying, Jason, as far as connecting it back to uh, th- these other approaches around, you know, all the automotive industry and electronics and c- consumer goods? Do you think that the fact that uh, it's being related to something like that, which if you haven't been developing software that way, it might be really hard to to grasp how you could take something from, you know, the 80s and 90s, which are now, you know, 30, almost 40 years ago, and that connected to something as innovative as software, that it's really hard to kind of make that connection that something that old could still be relevant and really effective today? Right. Well, it's hard to tell. Um, it's hard to tell uh, basically technology geniuses that they're actually way behind the curve, uh, right? right? 
and they are in that they are in the aspect of of DevOps. If you look at it from the point of view of of what we've already done with supply chain optimization or other industries where they have this total quality control that runs through the whole process. And people who make software, they think, well, you know, our stuff is, you know, we're inventing this stuff and it's just too, um, you know, it's too esoteric to be to apply some kind of industrial process to it. I mean, this is, you know, this is software, right? Well, it's really, um, it, it's a lack of discipline that, that kind of gives us that opinion that you know, we could get away with basically knowing what the right end solution is without actually validating these things and collaborating with you know how it's going to get delivered into production so i mean that's that's basically how i think this is uh occurring it's you know they a lot of people think well you know software is way too important to be to do the same things as an automotive company would do when really it's behind in a lot of ways are there any industries or companies where where you go in, or Jason, where where you've looked at before, maybe a specific industry, where based on whatever existing cultures or or kind of arrangements they have, where DevOps is maybe not what they need right now? Yeah. So if if there's a culture that's resistance to change mm-hmm. and they're not doing anything near agile, uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's mm-hmm. going to be hard, and uh, it really. You know, I, we, I had a discussion with a client the other day, and they're like, you know, they outsource all their development. So really, what they do is manage systems, and and they're they're kind of arguing, you know, DevOps is not for us. And my my point is, I you know, I have seen mainframe companies take a DevOps approach. The, the challenge is people sometimes associate DevOps with deploy ten times a day, and how many times you deploy has nothing to do with it. It's really about you know, being iterative, being fast, you know, improving the overall, you know, customer experience, all those things. So as long as you're not defining DevOps as I need to deploy all the time, then there's really no reason why uh, it can't be used. Now, the flip side of that is if someone's in a waterfall or even an agile shop is not practicing DevOps and they're having success, um, real good success, and, you know, don't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, why why try to fix something that isn't broken? Of course, is uh, is one part of the model, and then uh, I think you know a lot of it has to do with the the management's attitude toward uh, the development and operations themselves, right? So if there's a uh, mentality where they're gonna they're gonna share some responsibility and ownership and and making these changes happen, right? Um, as opposed to, uh, you know, basically not being partners in that process. And, and, you know, I think, Mike, you would probably have more examples of this, but, um, you know, when you see it, it's basically, it's it's from the top down. There has to be some kind of uh, incentive that they establish and a willingness to join in the uh, uh, result, uh, join the responsibility for the outcomes of um, that improvement. Yes, so I, I've seen some success when it's not top-down, but it doesn't scale, right? So a team or two will have broad success, but it doesn't translate into company-wide. If you want it company-wide, it definitely has to be top-down. And then you're talking about you know, HR involved as well. You know, As you mentioned, incentives, you know, change in behavior, training programs, hiring, you know, all that type of stuff. We'll be right back with more of the DevHops podcast.
Do you think that this is more of a situation, and it may just be that it's equal, but do you think it's more of a situation where you need the business executives to kind of think more like technologists and, and looking at you know looking at it from that perspective, or is it more your your technologists, your 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 devs who who need to start looking at the situation more like the business executives? Uh, and then if again, if it is fairly equal and both sides need to do the same, is there one that either one of you have seen as harder to convince? Or maybe it is a little more slow going in, in that adopting that new mindset. So that's an interesting question. I, I don't. When we say the business needs to think like IT, I think they need to understand the process mm-hmm. and appreciate the process and share some ownership of the end deliverables. So, for example, I always preach to customers that the product owner needs to own things like quality and reliability because what I've seen in my entire life and you know I, I joke around and I'm five foot five as I used to be six foot five when I started in IT and I'm beaten down at five foot five <laughs> but the, the business side all they ever really cared about was getting you know the product owner was always uh, incented to shove features out mm-hmm. and not you know you know, as far as quality, that was QA's responsibility. Security was a security gauge responsibility, so they can get yelled at if it doesn't work. And so what would happen is, you know, the the architects and stuff would raise all these IT tasks to the forefront that we need to do, but the product owner says, I got deliver features. So they'd never, they'd never get done because they don't own it. So from the business side, you know, we're delivering services now, right? But service is always on. Well, part of the requirements for a service are now technical requirements. It has to run right. It can't just be delivered. It has to run, right? It has to run good. It has to have quality and reliability. So there has to be shared accountability. You know, the product owners have to have some of those IT metrics, right? And on the flip side, the business really needs to understand the customer and the customer experience and the business problems. So too often, you know, the IT side, it's all about the tools, and, you know, they, they spend all this time doing all this magical stuff with tools and, you know, the customer sitting there, well, what about our features? So mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of both. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it seems like we're dealing with, uh, I used to call it the sins of Agile, but uh, or sins of our Agile fathers, basically, where you have, uh, you know, this idea. And it wasn't, you know, it's a great idea, the whole Agile development methodology. But when if you're convinced that... Uh, that developers already know everything that they need to know about how the software should work, then that's that's where we kind of run into trouble. We need a lot more awareness uh, in the technology shop of basically, you know, what am I delivering something that's going to add value to the end product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how that's how requirements are prioritized. So um, I think that's going to, you know, the more you can improve on that side, the the more you can. Uh, uh, report back to the business side and and at least give them some predictability as to what they're going to get. Yeah, the, other, the other thing I'd add there is another big piece of being iterative, and this isn't necessarily DevOps, this is part of Agile as well, but you know, the old model is I'm going to give you a bunch of requirements and we're not done until they're all delivered. And that and that's why there's always delayed, right? We got 90% of this done, but we don't get the last 10% done. And so we start cramming stuff and taking shortcuts, and we need, you know, the, both business and IT need to get in this mindset that we're going to take our best effort to deliver these many user stories, or whatever you want to call them. But when it comes to the end of our sprint, we're going to 
have some of them done, maybe more, maybe less, but we're going to have something done that's deliverable. And that could be daily, it could be weekly, it could be bi-weekly, whatever your iteration is. But we've got to get away from you have to have everything done to building this trust that we're going to get something of value done each time. Sometimes it'll be more than you wanted, sometimes less, but we'll get it the next time and, and keep progressing through that as opposed to having work that's done sitting on the shelf waiting for more work. So, yeah. So, so let's assume that a company has decided that you know DevOps is right for them. Mike, maybe they, they call you in. Um, they've got the support from the you know top down you know, ex- executive level. What's kind of like a, a next uh, a, a next move for them as far as who, who who owns it who who takes charge? You're going to hire or make someone a DevOps engineer. What, what's expect? This is a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah. So let's go ahead for some next steps of we're going to do DevOps. How do you kind of get that ball rolling? I usually start with what problem are you trying to solve. Yep. Right, because so, sometimes DevOps to them means you know I'm I'm using Chef, <laughs> and sometimes it means I'm doing continuous integration, and sometimes it just means you know I'm a Dev my most favorite term a DevOps engineer. You know what does that mean? Right, right. So we usually start with you know we actually had a customer call us we want DevOps, and when we went in there started asking the why questions, they really what they really wanted was how do we become a SaaS company, and that's a lot bigger question. Mm-hmm. Then how do we become DevOps? So, to me, the first step is you know what are you tr- what problem are you trying to solve, and then we kind of go from there. So, as far as making someone into a, a DevOps engineer or, or building a DevOps team, uh, is that something that I mean? Again, I guess it depends on, on who's already there, but does that usually require having to add headcount? Because I can see where that would be maybe a hesitation, or or should there be people who can? You know, again, kind of be shown the business value if they're a technical person, or vice versa, and start to kind of build up that. Hey, this is a great way to you know to start thinking and to start working. Well, I've seen it both ways. I've you know one large financial institution that we're working with that's very top down, and they're they're building a very extensive internal DevOps certification. You know, a lot of people sneeze at the word certification, mm-hmm. but it's they're bringing in people and training them. Uh, basically on agile on organizational change management on security in the cloud I mean through the whole gamut and and getting people through that and so they're not so much building a team at, well a lot of times what's happening is people are building what I call a platform team so they're putting a bunch of engineers around their cloud and they're building guardrails around their cloud so for example one client's using you know I won't name the but a certain private cloud technology, but they just don't want everyone to go willy-nilly on it. So they create a platform team who's putting standard secure blueprints on it and creating higher-level APIs so the developers can just build on top of it. And they have another team that's building the whole CICD pipeline, and they're saying, okay, if you're going to use our cloud, you're going to use this pipeline. That's rare. I don't usually see that type of leadership. Usually it's more grassroots where there's a team that's been playing with all these tools and, and are trying to take it to the next level. So it's, it, it's a depends answer. It depends on the organization. Some Sometimes they need people from the outside because they're, they're just too set in their ways. Sometimes it's a mix. Some, some companies are aggressively trying to grow the talent inside because they feel it's a competitive advantage. Right. I mean, yeah, they obviously you're not going to go on the street and find somebody who's been doing DevOps for five or ten years uh, in your resume, 
But um, although those resumes are out, there. <laughs> okay, I'm sure there are. I'm sure they do all that stuff in IoT. I, I do, you know, whatever buzzwords I can fit in there, basically. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that's a big. Uh, that's that's part of it. I mean, you look outside the company, especially if you don't, if the talent in the company or the type of staff you've cultivated doesn't really have that adaptability level, right? If they're not, and, and it's just, I mean, you have to come to terms with who you are, right? If you're if you're a company that hasn't really um, promoted that and looked for that in the past, um, you can try to cultivate it from within, but you might have to to uh, bring in some a different type of uh, manager or or team for that sort of activity. Well, part of part of the challenge is also just the uh, you know how much do you centralize or control uh, the environment in which they work in, and this is kind of where SkyTap is um, always interested, right? Because we talk about environments, but if you have this very centralized idea of control of uh, you know this is your this is going to be your specific environment, and it's all, you know provisioning is controlled by a very central group, and the processes are are, are done in a slow way, kind of. Through a trouble ticket system, it takes and it takes weeks. Then um, that's going to obviously hinder everybody's ability to kind of become more agile if they're not getting what they need, uh, the resources they need either. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I've seen in a lot of engagements I've been in where you know there's a development team who's done a fantastic job of turning requirements around and having code ready to go to production within a day or two, and they have a an operations team did a great job of creating standard blueprints and able to provision, you know, environment with the push of a button. But it all sits there and waits for this ticket to get blessed and go through the rubber stamp cab review every Thursday. And sometimes they miss that Thursday and have to go to next Thursday. And it's like, you know, all this is for naught. And what, what people forget is when they're, you know, when they're transforming, they have to transform operations. And, we get into big philosophical debates on Twitter whether ITIL is good or not. And I, I, I've actually worked with companies to make ITIL agile. That's kind of our tagline. We, mm-hmm. we go in there and modernize their processes and, and make things so certain certain use cases, things can be auto-approved and certain information is flowing through logs and, and monitoring solutions. So, you know, everything's not a rubber stamp wait a week for approval. But people seem to forget the operation side of it sometimes. Well... I don't think we can get through the entire podcast without mentioning cloud at all. Mike, surprisingly, you're actually the only one who's even said the word cloud. Jason and I have somehow managed to, to not even mention it. But uh, one thing I was curious about that Jason had come up with earlier was that, do you think that it's the kind of uh, level of comfort within the enterprise, you know, enterprises as a whole with public cloud resources? Uh, do, do you think that as that comfort is increasing and fears about security are maybe decreasing slightly, do you think that that has kind of uh, assisted DevOps or has um, enabled DevOps to to succeed as much as it has at this point, the fact that cloud is something that enables these kinds of deliverables that, that DevOps brings? Yeah, and I don't know if it's just public cloud, just mm-hmm. cloud, cloud in general. Um, you know, there's a lot of lifting and shifting going on where you lift your app and move over, but there's a lot of new greenfield or modernization and it's requiring us to rethink how we build applications. And while we're doing that, hey, let's let's take advantage of you know things like DevOps. So I think because there's this expectation that IT can now deliver so much faster because we have the cloud and we don't have to do all this IT plumbing stuff that 
it, it kind of opens the door for us to explore new methodologies where maybe in the past we've been working on the same system for 15 years and we're like, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's certainly a point. I mean, people aren't as concerned about, I think it's because we're used to having cloud kind of in our everyday lives. I mean, so many of the services we just depend on as consumers are starting to appear um, in some cloud-based form, right? that I think the companies become more comfortable with it over time, whereas they might have uh, just said, uh, that's that's just something we don't do here, right, right. like four years ago. Well, the, and the challenge is, you know, especially with mobile and, you know, ev- everybody's an Internet company, right? And now you have to have a website, you have to have a mobile app. And as soon as you're doing web and mobile, that stuff has to change by design, right? Customers expect that stuff to be fresh. So... You know, we're no longer just doing back office apps and recycling them every six to 12 months. The, the world has changed for us, and we need to deliver, you know, much more faster. So this this is kind of driving it. And I also heard someone say a week or two ago, which I thought was a really good point, is nobody wants to go work at a place anymore where it takes six months to get infrastructure, right? I mean, there's so many companies that are starting to do this right that the companies that stay the old way, how are they going to attract and retain the best talent? Because I'm like, why do I want to work here? It takes me six months to get a server. I can go over here and I can crank out stuff. So something, you know, that, that was a very eye-opening light bulb moment when I heard that, and it's very true. Yeah, yeah. especially for technical talent or, you know, people who yeah. want to innovate. I mean, they're, I've heard this a lot, too. It's like, why did you come here, right? Well, my last job, it started turning into a thing where I tried to get to, you know, we tried to get the infrastructure done for this. It took three months, and I just do it with my hands and said, you know, I can make the same money somewhere else. Yep. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> well, that is everything that I had for today, but we did promise a, a beer recap. I can say that I've just finished my first uh, old Rasputin Russian Imperial Stout, and I think just as far as a one-liner sum up, it was a... Uh, almost dangerously easy to drink. Uh, sometimes there are stouts that are, uh, you know, so strong that you've got to kind of take it slow. I, I didn't even realize it was it was gone until I just looked over and realized it had had disappeared in a relatively short amount of time. But uh, that was quite enjoyable. Uh, Jason, how was how was your uh, your green flag or your um, uh, was it Oscar Blues? Yes, it's the uh, or, well. This is the old Chub. Old Chub. Yeah, it's old Chub Nitro. So that's your. Uh, Basically, it's the big version of the old Chub, and it's got the uh, nitro inside it. So it's got a heavy, it's got a much heavier, creamier taste to it. It's almost like chocolate milk. It, wow. You know, like when you get a really good uh, Guinness. It's really weird, but it's great. Yeah, sounds awesome. And Mike, how was the wraps? Well, I've been talking the whole time, so I'm going to chug my beer <laughs> now. But uh, if you're ever down in the Florida Seminole, St. Pete area, go to Raps Brewery, and there's a there's a huge uh, microbrewery scene down here. It's been written in lots of magazines. Check it out. But Google Raps Brewery's got 20-something beers on tap. Amazing, amazing stuff. Cool. Well, that sure. is about all for today's edition of DevHops, brought to you by SkyTap. Uh, if you enjoyed this content, please let us know on Twitter or subscribe to the blog or the podcast itself, uh, which is currently hosted on SoundCloud. Uh, you can follow our blog at skytap.com slash blog for more commentary on software development, testing, cloud, DevOps, uh, information about our company, uh, and and a lot more. Uh, Mike, anywhere you want to suggest readers uh, to be able to kind of follow you? 
Yeah, so you know, I write on Forbes, so there's a place. But uh, go to cloudtp.com, which is I work for Cloud Technology Partners, and we have a tremendous amount of content. There's Dave Lintikum there, myself, and we have webcasts, podcasts, blogs, a lot of good stuff there, and a weekly uh, super summary of all that stuff. Cool. Well, that is it, folks. Oh, go ahead. No, no. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. We just did skytap.com or the blog. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. It's great talking to you again. Yeah, anytime. Well, that is it, folks. Keep your head in the clouds and your DevOps fresh. I'm Noel Worst for Skytap. Thank you.